Hello and welcome to the European Space Agency Mission Control. We are at ESOC, the European Space Operations Center in Darmstadt, Germany. My name is Daniel Skuka. I am working at the Communication Department within ESA and I'm joined today for a talk on a new movie produced by ESA entitled The Burn. Uh, I have uh, several colleagues uh, joining me uh, coming from uh, Mission Control who are experienced spacecraft operations engineers. Uh, we have Bruno Souza, originally from Portugal, who's been working uh, as the spacecraft operations manager for the cluster mission since 2015. Uh, previously, he was an engineer on the Venus Express mission and on Solar Orbiter. Bruno, welcome. Thank you. We're also sitting with Ignacio Tanco, uh, originally from Spain. We're very multi-culti here in ESOC. Uh, he is now the spacecraft operations manager for the JUICE mission, coming up in just a few years' time for launch. Uh, he is now building up a team and building a ground segment, everything we use on the ground to control a flight, a mission in flight. He formerly worked on various other interplanetary and Earth orbiting missions. Ignacio, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan. And we have Elsa Montagnon, uh, originally from France, uh, who uh, is the spacecraft operations manager for Bepi Colombo. Uh, she's been in this role since 2007. Uh, Bepi Colombo is a terribly exciting mission. It is now on a seven-year journey to Mercury, a very ambitious uh, project. And she previously worked on the flight control team for Rosetta, which actually was just uh, uh, five years ago today we landed on the comet uh, on uh, November 12th, uh, 2014. Elsa, thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're talking about a movie called The Burn. You've all seen it, yes? Yes. Good, good stuff. Uh, the movie The Burn, um, without uh, giving too much away, I'll actually uh, ask Bruno to give us a rundown as to the scenario of this movie. What, what, what does this movie actually show? It's a short movie, 10 minutes. What, what, uh, what gets packed into to 10 minutes? Right. Um, I drew uh, inspiration for this uh, for this script from my experience on Venus Express. Uh, we launched it and we put it in orbit around around Venus. And um, we wanted to come up with a situation that was really critical. And uh, one of the most critical things we have at ESOC is that sometimes we have these missions that have a one-shot opportunity to achieve something. Sometimes it's putting a lander on a planet. Sometimes it's uh, achieving orbit insertion or uh, or an encounter with a with a comet or an asteroid, and we have one opportunity to do it right. And this is where a lot of work goes into preparation, into making sure that we are fully prepared to any uh, eventuality that might occur while we are handling this scenario. Um, it's not just about sitting there and looking competent. It's about preparing extensively beforehand that when you actually have to be confronted with a situation, you can handle one no matter what it is. Now, Bruno, before you go on, I'm just mm -hmm. going to jump in there very quickly. If you're listening to this uh, audio cast and you've not yet seen The Burn, you should pause the audio cast now and you should go watch it because yeah. there are some spoilers <laughs> in our discussion coming up. So watch the movie. You'll find it on the ESA website. You'll find it in the ESA YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com slash ESA. title is The Burn. Have a, have a watch and then come on back in uh, ten and a half minutes after you've, you've seen it. Pause and now we'll carry now on. Now we Bruno. continue with the spoilers. <laughs> we'll continue with the spoilers. So it, it, it wasn't easy to find a, a particular situation that, that was suited for a movie. Because when we actually do this around a planet like Mars or Venus, there's always this propagation delay. So it takes about 
10 to 20 minutes for our signal to reach the spacecraft and then come back again. So in the, in the, in the movie terms, that would make for a very boring, um, non-exciting movie because everything goes very slowly. Then we have this uh, spacecraft flying around the Earth where everything takes place really quickly. So within 10 minutes you've had a contact with the spacecraft and everything goes extremely fast. That also doesn't make for good drama. So we had to find a compromise and uh, that's how we came up with the idea of the moon. Because the moon is one second away from us, one second and a half. And so things take uh, place on a, on, a, on a more familiar rhythm, so we could uh, dramatize that. And then, um, so we had to come up with a hypothetical situation where we would be uh, preparing a mission to the moon and how we would be dealing with that. And that's what we try to portray on the movie. We dramatize some aspects of it, but um, it's mostly based on what could really happen. You ha we have examples like the Japanese uh, Akatsuki spacecraft that was launched to Venus. It precisely, they didn't succeed on their first attempt to be injected into Venus because they had a problem. They actually had a problem with the engine. Exactly. And and instead of getting into orbit around Venus, they just, they just continued, fl flew by, and uh, eventually they had to wait three years until they could come back and try it again. So it's a real it's a real situation that can occur. We deal with it. So we flew two comets to Rosetta. We flew to Mars already several times. We had to deliver landers, and we had one shot. We've had to do capture on Mars at least two times with ExoMars and Mars Express, Venus Express at Venus, and now we're heading to Mercury. So this is, this is part of our daily bread uh, here at ESOC, and we wanted to portray that as realistic as possible, dramatizing only where we couldn't find the uh, solutions that, th that were both uh, accurate and dramatizable. So. Now, Bruno, when the, when, when the movie starts out, uh, the viewer uh, is brought right into a very dramatic situation. It's clearly a team that is working to uh, uh, prepare for a uh, orbit entry, in this case around the moon, and it uh, 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 carries on, and everything's going according to plan until something happens, and actually uh, things go off the rails a little bit. Uh, and then the viewer finds out something about the reality of what they're watching. What uh, talk us through that? Um, right. So, what goes uh, yeah wrong there is an, an unexpected situation. We have we have seen uh, in simulations sometimes we we can inject particular failures while we are simulating a particular maneuver, and this can bring the spacecraft to a behavior that was not foreseen. Uh, at design level. When spacecrafts are designed, the, the people behind it have to have, have this tendency to see the spacecraft more as a static thing within phases of time. But when you actually put it to work and you're in a, in a real environment and everything is changing all the time, you will find situations and circumstances that had not been thought before. So, for example, in Venus Express, we actually, during one simulation, came to a to a situation where the spacecraft started tumbling and we couldn't, we couldn't t stop it anymore. And that resulted in us telling the, the manufacturer that they had to fix the software to prevent that situation ever being reached. So part of the training is not just preparing the people, it's finding where things can really go wrong beyond our control and then fix those that such that doesn't happen in flight. Now, so that's what we're trying to, to capture here. It's, um, yeah, w in this case, it's a one-shot maneuver to get an injection in the moon. The issue there is if it, it doesn't occur within a specific time, then you need more fuel to correct 
then you probably have available on board. And that's what the team finds out. And that's what the team finds out eventually. And that's when the viewer finds out that the whole thing is just a simulation. Exactly. It's just a training effort. Yeah. And because if you're going to fail, you might as well do it in a simulation than with a real thing. With the real mission. Ignacio, in your experience, how effective are the simulation training efforts that happen here at, uh, at Mission Control? Do we do simulations for, for all of our missions? As far as I know, yes. And they are extremely effective. My experience has been, it's sort of like going to boot camp in that you get to go through some scenarios which may go beyond what one would consider even reasonable or realistic to have. And uh, it is in fact the job of the, the simulations officer, who is a, a colleague of ours who is in charge of planning and thinking out the failures for each of these scenarios, such that he really pushes us to the limit of what we are capable of doing. So we need to follow, of course, our manual in terms of operations, so the, the procedures that we have prepared and so forth. We find that very often we end up having to basically stray out of what we have planned or conceived as possible failures in order to deal with the unexpected uh, events. So in this regard, it's extremely useful in that it forces us to consider things that we hadn't done so before, such that when the time comes and we find ourselves having to actually apply this thing in real life, we are much better prepared. Now, Elsa, you've you've worked on a number of missions. You've gone through simulation training yourself. You've certainly uh, uh, been deeply involved with the uh, Bepi team. <coughs> Seen the movie The Burn? What, what for you? Uh, how would you assess the the realism or indeed the plausibility? Is this kind of truly what you feel and experience? going through a simulation uh, campaign? Well, definitely, I think it reflects very well the, the old simulation setup. I mean, the simulations are, uh, I can say also for myself, uh, a very, very important tool we have here. Um, they, they're, they're good for all the reasons that's been highlighted before, but also because they bring the teams together and they teach us how to work with each other. I mean, they bring typically um, very uh, diverse uh, teams and expertise together and it's typically the first time that all these groups will work together in, in the mission when they meet in the and by the different setup. groups you're referring I mean to the flight controllers and the various expertise right. at the control center right. such as uh, the operators flight dynamics ground controllers uh, ground station communications computer people that mm -hmm. data systems people um, and when things go wrong, we really need to know who, who should do what and, and in what order to tackle things to be effective. And the simulations are very effective in, in teaching us that or training us on that. I think what I like very much in the movie is also that um, it emphasizes an aspect that for us operators is key, which is the availability of the signal from the spacecraft. Um, it's maybe not so obvious from outside, but when we work with a satellite, uh, as long as we have some sort of a signal, we can work. As soon as we don't have a signal at all, we are really lost and there's not much we can do. And I think it's a very, very good that movie puts this aspect in, in the foreground. Of course, in reality, um, in a scenario like this, I think we probably would know upfront that if there is something happening during the burn, then think chances to recover are right, practically there is no chance to recover. I mean normally you go into a scenario like this you know that if the burn doesn't start or doesn't complete then that's game over as far as insertion is 
concern. The mission, of course, as Bruno said, that the spacecraft is still there and you can possibly look into a recovery, but this will be a script that is not pre-prepared and you, you may need years, if at all, to, to get back on track. So this is not the type of scenario we prepare up front. I think what is also very clear is that the time dimensions in reality are much different than portrayed <laughs> in the 10 minutes film, obviously. Mm. I mean, the, the aspects that are, that are shown there, uh, everything happens very rapidly and, and people detect and recover things in, in seconds, a bit like in, you know, in doctor movies where they do CT scans operation and everything within five minutes. Here is a business side. In reality, it's not like that. I mean, for even for a moon mission, I think uh, just, just detecting a survival mode would be an affair of probably uh, half a day and, right. and recovering it would probably right. take days and getting any commands from Fred Dynamics is takes hours and, sure. and so on and so forth. So right. this is an aspect that, of course, cannot be dramatized in this way, this time you're, 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 But maybe it's we, good we, to we, we <laughs> mention that in reality. No, it's a, it's a good point. <laughs> this was probably sped up a little bit for the, for the youth generation. No, but this <laughs> is actually, it's, it's tricky for, for yeah. simulations yeah. because as our spacecraft become, uh, as we either have long propagation delay or uh, also highly autonomous spacecraft, mm -hmm. Um, and recovery times or transitions that take very long, it becomes difficult to actually <laughs> pack all this in a simulation of, uh, of uh, eight hours. Yep. Typically, that's what we try to do. Yep. Yep. So, in fact, lately, our sims officers tend to build uh, follow-on simulations. Uh, they yep. tend to build uh, simulations that last over yep. uh, yep. several sessions yep. for this reason, I think, yep. that yep. people can, can really train on the recovery and the grit it takes. Right. Uh, because all these things take a lot of time and you nowadays in the modern spacecraft mm. we cannot pack this in eight hours. Yeah. In fact, it's good that you mentioned this. As we speak, we are having a, a solar orbiter simulation preparing for the launch uh, early next year. And we've decided to do these three days in a row, three yeah. days in mm -hmm. our session. Well, yeah. So it's bang, bang, bang all day long. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Well, you may split yeah. it, huh? but you basically yeah. the, the simulation will will build into each other. So yeah. eventually yeah. you'll build yeah. like a day and a half. This this raises a really good question. I, I just wonder what uh, any of you have experienced because in the dramatization of this movie. We see that the, the engineers, of course, they know that they're just in a simulation. The viewer doesn't know that at the beginning, but they're really getting into their roles. They're really actually taking the scenario of the simulation quite seriously. They're using the tools, the systems, the operations infrastructure that they're meant to use. They're using it in a, in a, in a real way, and they're really getting into it. In, 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 in the end, you see that actually there is some, some real despair amongst uh, some of the characters. That's a good is, is, <laughs> that, is that acting or do you think that really happens? Do you, do you think engineers really get into it? When you forget it's a sim, it's a good sim. When you forget a sim, it's a good sim, yes. yeah, okay. And, uh, okay, they're not all like that, for yeah. me at least, yeah. but that, that will happen eventually. Yeah. If they throw enough things at you, you forget you're in a sim. Right, and all of a sudden it seems and that's and, yeah. and, and that's very real, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, then you if you fail or you don't manage to to reach the goal there you yeah. take it yeah as, as game over yeah. on yeah. yeah yeah if you you, we play it for real we have yeah. to play it for real sure. all the time it's also very sure. rare that you will end up in a situation where the sim ends like like that <laughs> losing the mission <laughs> losing but the spacecraft it, it yeah. happened to yeah. me yeah. once and yeah. uh, it's not a good feeling at all yeah. okay yeah. right yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say the same thing when you screw up in a sim and you realize you've made a, a mistake this really stays with you so sure. it's it's something that you feel deeply sure and uh, and of course your colleagues know about it your teammates know about it yeah. 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 in this case <laughs> you cannot really say they've yeah. done a mistake i mean again no. in the real life you would, if you go in a scenario and you find your spacecraft 
in that situation, you know that it, there's nothing you could have done right. um, as an operator, unless the, 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 the thing that interrupted the burn has been actually caused by an operator error, which then is in a completely different <laughs> kettle of fish, and then we'll sting right. with you forever. Right. But this is not debated in, in no. the movie yeah. what actually This was caused, caused by some kind of single event upset, yeah. some sort well, of radiation. vaguely about that, yeah. yeah. But then, of course, in reality, there will be a yeah. very, very deep investigation going into right. what happens, because right. this is exactly what you want to avoid in an yeah. event like this one. With Venus Express, we had extensive discussions with industry exactly oh. what could trigger and what could not trigger. And we, if for that burn, for that period of time, a lot of the monitoring, a lot of, of the mechanisms on board the spacecraft that were looking for failures had to be disabled because we didn't want secondary failures or unimportant failures to cause a snowball effect that would prevent the burn from taking place. So it, there's a lot of work going into finding a configuration whereby this type of situation cannot occur. And it's very delicate because you, you want protections, you want your spacecraft to stay safe, sure. but in this case you know if it overshoots you're done and, and you cannot afford that. So this in, I've been in several missions in the design, in fact, okay, we've been all together yeah, where you discuss this extensively and the only way to minimize this would be to bring even more autonomy on the satellite so right. that it can detect and continue a burn in right. this situation. Right. But somehow None of our spacecraft has implemented this level <laughs> 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 Okay, Juice has. Juice actually <laughs> will get around the scenario depicted in this video precisely by having the capacity to restart on its own without ground intervention. Okay, that's that sounds like that's a, a good a good outcome of, of past simulations. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it's hard to do, which is why not all missions mm. eventually sure. do it. It's sure, because it, on it, every it demands a, a design change, more complexity, and, and more money, exactly more, more costs. Sure, it's, it's, yeah. it's being brought by us operations people, yeah. not by the scientists, or not sure. by the. No scientist wouldn't wouldn't really. And most things that can fail, to, by the way. Right, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I can I do a quick uh, uh, roundtable and and give me just just briefly what was the, the the one thing or maybe the two things you liked most about the film and start with uh, with Bruno um, in like terms of the scenes or the, the by far my favorite scene is when the systems engineer is uh, rolling his pen on his fingers and he's saying she's spinning so <laughs> <laughs> it's when an engineer is able to make a picture of what's happening with very little and uh, with just with just uh, very inf information with just very little information he yeah. can make a mental picture of what's yeah. what's happening uh, and what the solution might be to solve that right so uh, james who was uh, doing this role he and the way he expressed it and the yeah. th that was for me the best part yeah. is when he's figured it out he has made a mental picture of, of the situation yeah and knows what needs to be done okay. ahead. Okay. This is the, the nicest thing. Okay. Ignacio, what's, what's your...? I found very nice the way in which it reflects the way that, for example, we talk. So the, the, mm -hmm. the kind of uh, um, codes that we use to communicate with each other, mm -hmm. the, the, the way that people uh, relate to each other during uh, mm -hmm. the video is rather close to, to, to how to we actually yeah now that was that was a uh, we, we thought that was a little bit risky on the production side because some of that language is rather arcane or rather specialized to what you 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 and your teams do but we, is, yes. we we talked about uh, you you hear them saying oh I read you five by five and arm and go before sending a command sounds like they're launching a missile or something is that is that realistic 
it is very much how we actually do things when we're in the control room yes mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's nice to see it reflected mm -hmm. in what what does the five by five refer to is it five fingers and five toes or is it <laughs> no, it's about loudness of the signal and mm -hmm. clarity of the signal so you okay. can have so somebody who for example sounds clear but very faint mm -hmm. because his mic is away from his mouth okay or there's so some problem with the system or, something. or the other way around he sounds very loud but okay. with a lot of noise in the signal okay you know, with the which makes it difficult to understand. So you okay. signal by giving these two numbers that it's loud and clear. Okay. And the spacecraft controller, I think it is, actually sends occurrences arm and go, armed and go. That's, That's language you use on the voice. It's a two-step process. Two-step process, okay. To avoid that commands are sent by mistake, by okay. somebody yeah. just pressing a button by mistake, there okay. always has to be two two actions. Okay. The first one is prepare, yeah. and the second one is release. Okay. And okay. that's where the arm, go, okay. come into place. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. Also, what did you like about this? Well, it, it gives a, a very good uh, view of the various roles and various uh, yeah, responsibilities that are involved in uh, mission control. Right. right. Uh, this is completely yeah. accurate. So, from the, the flight director to the to the sound to the flight dynamics to the to the and to the various experts, and they, they all play a key role. They all have their their expert domain, but they work together as a well-oiled uh, system to, to contribute to mission success, and this is very accurate. So right. uh, that's right. exactly okay. the way we work. Okay. Um. Now, I know uh, this uh, video is um, going to be published uh, widely through the ESA website and ESA, ESA channels, ESA social media channels. Um, what, uh, what do you think some of your colleagues will think? What do you think might be some of their, their, their criticisms, or what do you think is maybe not necessarily the... Uh, it tells a good story, but is not necessarily uh, realistic. I think engineers they like to pick on details, and uh, <laughs> they're gonna spot all the the little things. Uh, they're gonna say, "Oh yeah, they lost the signal, but you still see those those graphics going red. So how how come was that possible? Because if there's no signal, so th all the engineers they tend to pick on, on the poetic license." Yeah. The <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I yeah. think if they are like me, they're going to say, "Wow, awesome graphics!" <laughs> <laughs> That's a type of. System. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> we, 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 we took a bit of license with the graphics, and uh, I know when we were doing the uh, shooting. Really cool. Yeah, some of the colleagues said, "Wow, we wish the I controller wish were I really." <laughs> Uh, one thing I'd like to also highlight is uh, that I think the director got to very nicely is the diversity of uh, among the people, mm -hmm. the, the balance of genders, the, ba the balance of nationalities, you hear different accents. Mm -hmm. So that's also a very nice aspect to okay. highlight on the way. Yeah, many women too. Yeah. Many women, that's uh, yeah. what we aspire. But I have to say that I think the, the communication <coughs> style, the way they interact with each other is probably for me, I think, in my experience, a bit more bossy than it is in everyday life. It's actually a bit I more collaborative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. at least in my experience. Right. Yeah. We okay. We're a bit more smooth, bit even yeah. under pressure. I had a feeling, yeah. I don't know how you... Depends on the boss. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just yeah. been lucky, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been with some pretty tough cookies in MCR. Yeah. 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 Well, we're almost at the end of our uh, our chat here. I guess if I could uh, maybe again just do a, a round uh, uh, with with each of you and just um, give us a, a little bit of reality. What what are you working on now? Uh, what's coming up in the in the near future for for each of you? Uh, also. 
Well, I'm, I'm uh, working with Bepi Colombo. We're in our first uh, year of flight just now, and we still have six years to go before we reach Mercury, and then we'll have a very similar operation to the one in the movie to go into... You actually orbit. have to do a Mercury orbit entry, which is yes, going to be very similar to what and we And not only that, yeah. we have actually a stacked spacecraft. So we have, uh, have two, split apart. Yeah, two scientific spacecraft uh, flying currently together mm -hmm. with a transfer module, which is third module, <laughs> and we're going to have to take the stack apart uh, when we arrive at Mercury, seven years after launch, so hmm. I hope that all those parts are separate mm -hmm. from each other nicely. <laughs> so that's going to be very much trained along the lines in the movie. Okay. And, uh, and for the time being, we will be busy with uh, a combination of electric propulsion and planetary flybys, which okay. are also very critical operations. So we have nine of them. First one is wow. in April 2020. Wow. So that's, uh, yeah, it's going to okay. keep us busy. Okay. Wow. Good luck with, with all of that. I'm, I'm sure it'll go well. Ignacio, what's what's on what's coming up for you? So for me, the work in Juice, preparing for the launch in Juice is the Jupiter icy moon mission. Is yes, icy right. moon explorer. It's icy moon explorer, exactly. It's a mission that is mm, now in production. So the the spacecraft is being assembled mm -hmm. as we speak uh, by industry, mm -hmm. and uh, it's planned to launch in May twenty two. It will get to Jupiter. We will do an orbit insertion like the one depicted here, only much bigger because it's Jupiter, not the moon. <laughs> then we will uh, proceed yeah. to do a tour of the Galilean moons, so the <laughs> four moons closer to uh, Jupiter for three and a half years, ending with uh, another orbit insertion onto Ganymede, and we will finish with a, a lower orbit, uh, sorry, low Ganymede orbit, so a few <laughs> hundred kilometers above the surface of wow. the moon. So it's, wow. a, it's a fascinating mission. It's, uh, very much at the edge of uh, what we know in terms of exploration. It would be a, a first in many ways. And so it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. In the meantime, however, I've been asked to serve as operations director for the launch of Solar Orbiter. Mm -hmm. This is in February next year. And so I'm, uh, as we speak, I'm going right now through a simulations campaign, very much like the one depicted in the video. So it's uh, very near to me right now. Good stuff. Well, good luck with, with uh, all of that, uh, Ignacio. And Bruno, okay. your, your mission is already in, in orbit around Mine our is planet. Orbit, yeah. <laughs> it's around, uh, around um, I have the yeah. privilege next year to, to <laughs> celebrate 20 years of cluster. Mm -hmm. So it's a fantastic lab in space, measuring the effects of solar wind in our magnetic field. Mm -hmm. uh, it's continuing to provide incredible amounts of data uh, that in, uh, in making happy a very large scientific community. And at the same time, I'm supporting new projects, so studies of feasibility for future spacecrafts, putting the experience of operations into design of future missions and requirements for those missions. Yeah. Great, great. Well, Bruno, Ignacio, Elsa, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for giving us a take on the burn and uh, best wishes with uh, all your upcoming missions. Thank you very much. Thank you very thank much, you. Daniel. Thank you very much.